Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello everybody, welcome to one of our Wessex LMC's podcasts. My name is Louise Greenwood, Director of Education. And in the light of the current attention on Group A Strep, I'm joined by um, Dr Andy Perbrick, Joint CEO of Wessex LMC's and a GP in Dorset. And Dr Sanjay Patel, who is a paediatric infectious disease and immunology consultant working at Southampton Children's Hospital. So welcome to you both. Um, I think, Andy, you were going to start off setting the scene and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll um, leave it with you. Yeah, I, I thank you, Louise. I, th- I think it's fair to say that we're facing a bit of a system overload at the moment, especially around the UK HSA messaging uh, on on Strep A. Um, I'm really grateful that Sanjay has taken the time to join us today. I'm sure he's extremely busy like the rest of us. Um, but let's get straight to the, the point. Sanjay, what are the current concerns around Group A Strep? Yeah, Andy, there's, there clearly is a lot of group A strep circulating at the moment. And when you look at the age breakdown, that increased rates, they're very high rates in young children. So um, clearly uh, last week, so on uh, on Friday the 3rd, whatever it was, UKHSA put out an alert um, based on that, but also pointing out that a, uh, a relatively small number of children had died from group A strep. Um, unfortunately, the media kind of pounced on that quite quickly and, and a huge amount of media followed that's resulted in um, lots of very anxious children, uh, parents bringing their children to PGD, to uh, to primary care, to NHS 111. And as you've clearly said, it's resulted in, in massive system overload. I mean, I think we have to be uh, honest that there is a lot of group A strep circulating. So clearly we are going to have to see more children, but how we get the right children to the right people is what we're finding very challenging at the moment. Uh- I mean, is this an overreaction? Uh, I think it's uh, I think that the reaction in terms of us recognizing there's lots of group A strep and having to um, you know, appreciate that when we make antibiotic prescribing decisions, I think is reasonable. I think the bit that's more challenging is the media's response and how that impacts on parental health seeking behavior. So it's not at all surprising that parents are absolutely terrified. I mean, to be honest, when you, you know, at the top of front page of the news uh, suggests, you know, children dying of this infection, you know, they got off relatively unscathed with COVID. And this is the first big pediatric thing they've seen in a number of years. So we're already on the back of low parental confidence in terms of childhood infection, because there just haven't been many childhood infections until the last six months. And now there's something that is people have been relatively alarmist about and it's how we pitch that message to parents is i think the really challenging bit we've got to empower them but yet not generate huge amounts of anxiety because children will come to harm in other ways because we've broken the system slightly i guess one of the ways we can um, try and reassure them is by telling them uh what the true conversion rate is in terms of an invasive group a strep can you give us an idea of what that yeah. conversion rate is I, it, you know it's hard to say we always speak about numbers needed to treat for um for say group a strep and historically we've said you know for tonsillitis it's somewhere in the thousands you need to treat about three four thousand children to avoid a case of suppurative disease which would be quinsy or something i think those numbers are different at the moment um because so many more children coming in with tonsillitis and fever in the absence of runny nose will have group A strep. I don't think we entirely know. I think we're probably treating somewhere between five, six hundred children, maybe at a guess, 
to avoid a case of invasive group A strep. Invasive group A strep is a whole myriad of things. It can go from uh, a quinsy to a pneumonia with empyema to a septic arthritis all the way to toxic shock syndrome. So it's not that everyone with eye gas is going to die, but clearly those children are sick and end up needing to be managed in hospital. But it's still a rare complication of strep throat or scarlet fever. Okay, well, that's reassuring. Uh, What are the signs and symptoms we should be looking for? Well, people, I mean, so the main presentation with respiratory tract infections, I mean, scarlet fever is a presentation. So, you know, all of you on, you know, listening to this know what the signs and symptoms of scarlet fever are. It's a sandpaper rash, might be red lips, pharyngitis, fever. You know, for children like that, we should be treating them with 10 days of antibiotics. And, and, and there have been lots of discussions, as you can imagine, with NHS England and UKHSA. And the decision that's been made literally in the past 24 hours is that we should for that, you know, which is a modest number of children, uh, we should treat with 10 days of antibiotics for children with presumed strep throat. The guidance is to stick to current practice and our current practice, at least here through the scan guidelines, is seven days of antibiotics. And our first line treatment, you know, is something that's palatable for children. So that's something like amoxicillin. Um, We'll come to drug shortages in a moment. But, um, you know, if I see a child with um, fever, with mucky tonsils in the absence of, uh, of, of runny nose, I would be giving them antibiotics for seven days at the moment that would be my suggested practice so fever pain you know is a good clinical tool for children over three years of age i'd say that we should shift that down to probably a fever pain score of three would probably give us a 40 50 percent chance of that child having strep throat and i think that justifies treatment both for the child in terms of numbers needed to treat but also for onward transmission to others so if i see a child with a a bit of a temperature, mildly red throat, no other symptoms, reasonable to still treat as I would do normally and safety net and say you don't need antibiotics with no rash, no prolent tonsils. Yeah, I think that's absolutely reasonable. I think we've still got to maintain clinical judgment. And I think that, you know, that that's reasonable. Uh, There are lots of other infections going around. There's lots of influenza, there's adenovirus, there's RSV, and all of those viral infections can cause those symptoms of, you know, pharyngitis, a fever. I think if you've got other symptoms suggestive of an upper respiratory tract infection, it clearly makes group A strep less likely. But those children with mucky tonsils, fever, look unwell, you know, or just really painful throat, purulent tonsils, I'd probably have a lower threshold now than I would have had, uh, you know, a month ago or or, or three months ago to prescribing antibiotics. Uh, A a really runny nose and cough make you kind of in some ways more reassured it's less likely to be a group A strep. Yeah, indeed. Unless the cough is associated with significant respiratory distress and they've got pneumonia, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, in terms of the antibiotic guidance, uh, you've got some really good uh, information on the Wessex Healthier Together website can you just uh, run through the antibiotic options because i i know that especially uh in the last 24 hours pharmacists have reported that they're running out of the especially amoxicillin so could you just run through the options for us yeah absolutely so first line treatment is a beta lactam in a, in a non-penicillin allergic charge so um my suggestion as per the scan guidelines would be amoxicillin you can give that twice daily um to make it improve compliance. Um, it's very palatable. 
Um, clearly, we're now talking about children who don't swallow tablets. But, you know, if you can get a child to swallow tablets, and we've got really good pill swallowing guidance on the Healthier Together website, then that is going to help address this supply issue with suspensions. Um, you know, penicillin V is what's recommended by NICE. Um, you know, it's not very palatable, so I would still go amoxicillin. I think if you can't get hold of either of those, cephalexin, got excellent activity against group A strep. I think the macrolides, so things like erythromycin, clarithromycin, it would be five days of those as well for uh, um, for tonsillitis. Uh, azithromycin um, is another option, would be three days for tonsillitis. And I think if you're not able to get any of those, then, um, you know, things like carmoxiclav, even things like septrin, but you're slightly scraping the barrel at that point. And, and hopefully the supply issue is going to be addressed quite soon because the manufacturers of these suspensions have got them in stock. They've made them. It just needs to get to the wholesalers who can then distribute it to the community pharmacists. So I'm hoping that in the next 24, 36 hours that will be addressed. OK. And just touching on the trying to get kids to swallow, what age do you think it's reasonable to try tablets for children yeah good question i think you could try from seven eight ish um it's worth giving it a try okay and can you crack open capsules and sprinkle yeah them you can you can there's some guidance coming out um hopefully as part of the national guidance about the whole sprinkling and that will become a little bit clearer hopefully in the next 24 hours it is an option but it's uh i, I can't provide you with exact instructions on that at the moment okay brilliant and i, I guess Lastly, there's a lot of misinformation out there. We're already seeing examples of nurseries telling uh, parents that if their children have any type of temperature that they must go and see their GP. Have you got a useful patient information leaflet that's up to date uh, on the Wessex Healthier Together website? Yeah, so we've, we've got... Um... We've got a, a, an updated uh, parent facing page on group A strep and scarlet fever. Uh, and that's got very clear information and red, amber, green uh, categorization about that. Uh, we've got information on the Healthier Together app. I really would recommend that your practice, you know, GPs, GP practices signpost parents to that because that's a very easy to navigate way of finding information and for parents to identify if their child's unwell or not. Um, and we will convert the parent facing page into an actual safety netting sheet on the GP section of the website. So you can, you know, it will have the same information, but it, you can SMS sh share that to parents as well. I mean, I do hope that the national guidance that will hopefully come out in the next 24 hours will give a bit more clarity so that nurseries and schools are giving out sensible advice and signposting to things like the Healthier Together website, as opposed to blanket saying to parents, just go to your GP if you're worried, if you child's poorly clearly that isn't going to help the current system pressures great Sanjeev thanks ever so much for taking the time to speak to us today I know you're extremely busy we'll let you get back to work and as always really useful pragmatic advice thank you yeah thanks so much Andy thank you so much Sanjay. and we'll certainly put when we launch this um podcast we'll certainly put the links all the links you mentioned um, and as they come out we can sort of refresh those with the, the swallowing also yeah come. absolutely and Andy the one thing you didn't ask about was swabs I've just realized uh, GP's happy with the lack of swabbing at the moment there's not much confusion there or is there lots of confusion 
I have to say, Sanjay, I've never swabbed a child's throat Good. in 22 years. Yeah, they exactly. Tend to, they tend to vomit on you when they do, and it takes yeah. about three days to get the result back. So I don't Indeed. find that particularly no, helpful. No, no. And that's my thought as well. So if, if that's fine, you know, you can imagine UKHSA wants GPs to swab every child's throat or it's just causing complete chaos. So I've spent lots of last night and this morning trying to tell UKHSA that they're just completely ludicrous. So um, fingers crossed that doesn't come into the national guidance. Brilliant. So I am all right not swabbing. You are all right not swabbing. I think if they return, if they, you know, if they uh, if they deteriorate on first line treatment, then clearly it's worth doing it from a diagnostic perspective and, you know, a resistance perspective. But I wouldn't be doing it for first line treatment. No. Great. Excellent. Good. Thanks ever so much. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.